The reading is from Mark chapter 15, starting at verse 25. Now it was the third hour and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that, he cried out like this and breathed his last and said, truly, this, was, this man was the son of God. There were also two women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the less, and the son of Joseph and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee. And many other women came up with him to Jerusalem. Now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a, prom a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he bought fine linen, took him down and wrapped him in the linen. And he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph observed where he was laid. Well, maybe it sounds strange singing hallelujah or praise the Lord for the cross. Every year we ask at this time of the year, why is today called Good Friday? It seems such an inappropriate, inaccurate name for a day filled with such violence, such suffering, a day that ends in the brutal death of the Son of God and creator of the world. Why is today called Good? I often think the same when we take communion, the Lord's Supper at the table, and we take the bread and the wine. And is this a day of where we think about the suffering of Christ and we feel the shame and the scandal of that? And so it's a day, a moment marked by grief and mourning? Or is it a day when we remember the great salvation that he brought and a day and a moment marked by joy? The reality is that many things in life are bittersweet. 
You might have had a drink that is bittersweet. Or perhaps you've had a graduation ceremony and you've successfully passed your exams in uni. But then because of them, you have to move away from all the friends that you've made over the last three years. Or you get a dream job, which means moving home and leaving family and friends behind. Or perhaps looking at uh, childhood memories and the photographs. And there's there's, this bitter sweetness about looking back at those pictures. All of those things can taste at the same time both bitter and sweet. But nothing compares to Good Friday. And the, the contrast and yet the union between this, the bitterness of the day and the sweetness of the day. The emotions that govern Good Friday are both bitter and sweet. Think for a moment of the bitterness of the day, the bitterness of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is this man who is bleeding and dying upon a first century Roman cross? The central figure of the Christian faith is hanging, bleeding out in front of a mocking crowd. He's no longer on a throne or in a position of power as he'd always been for all of eternity. Now he is in the place of abject weakness. The one who has forever been in the place of authority at the right hand of the Father, surrounded by the Father and the Spirit, now hangs on a cross between two dying thieves. He's the second person of the Trinity, eternally surrounded by the Godhead, the one who is equal with the Father and the Spirit, the one who is eternal as they are, is now dying. The one who formed the universe, the one who continues to sustain it by the word of his power. Now his hands which formed the universe, the arms that uphold the world, are hanging helplessly, nailed, pierced to a wooden cross. He is the source of life, the source of truth the ultimate authority over all things. But this is the man who in the Trinity's plan of salvation willingly stepped into his creation, born of the Virgin Mary, come to save us from our sin and our traitoring towards the Father, towards the God who made us. He is the one who out of every person who ever lived upon earth, alone lived a sinless, perfect, and holy life. The one who alone demonstrated, like no other, love and obedience to his God. The one who did what we were supposed to do. Obey the Father's commands. Love one another. Love God as we love ourselves. The whole of humanity had turned from that to hating one another, as Dave prayed, see around the world, the hatred of the world, the hatred towards God. We were marked not by love, but by hatred, not by obedience, but by disobedience. Yet here comes a man, Jesus Christ, perfect love, perfect obedience. And throughout his 33 years on earth, he never fails to show compassion 
to the needy, healing to the sick, raising the dead, obedience to his Father's will, offering the outcast true and everlasting forgiveness through faith in his name. He's known, isn't he, for his miraculous works that prove time and time again that he is who he claims to be, the Son of God who has stepped out of heaven, the creator of the universe who transforms small items of food into food for thousands, who transforms nature, stopping storms by our words, who comes to tombs where men and women lay and calls them out and they come to life again. He proves himself again and again and again. He heals the sick, feeds the hungry, calms the storm, raises the dead. All miracles pointing to who he really is. Jesus Christ is the God who became man to be the embodiment of God's love and grace, offering salvation full and free to all who call in faith upon his name. What a God. What a man. This is who hangs upon that tree. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see the king of love. See the purple robe and a crown of thorns he wears. Soldiers mock, rulers sneer as he lifts the cruel cross. Lone and friendless now, the Son of God climbs towards the hill. Here he is, abandoned by colleagues and friends and disciples, forsaken by his own nation, yes, even his own creation. He was in the world. And the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people rejected him. More than that, exponentially more than that, he is forsaken by God, his Father. Psalm 22, which Lindsay is going to come and read to us, was written hundreds of years before Christ came. It prophetically foretold what Jesus would cry out and do upon that cross. Psalm 22, verse 1 to 18, I'm reading in the NIV. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of my anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out, out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. 
My mouth is dried up like a pot's head and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. Thank you. The Son of God, the Lord of all, cast aside by heaven and earth. Think of that for a moment. His sufferings on the cross are almost too difficult to comprehend, both physically and emotionally, as the crowd look on him and mock him. The soldiers jeer and strip him and gamble over his clothes. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Abandoned by heaven and earth, this physical pain, this emotional suffering, this spiritual abandonment. As a sinless man taking upon himself in just these few hours, the sins of the world, the hatred of the world, the rebellion of you and me, the disobedience that we have carried out against our gods, all laid upon him, all laid upon him. What a great weight that was. Here is the man who was God, the word who became flesh, the one who is full of truth and grace, experiencing the bitter cocktail of physical pain, emotional anguish, and spiritual suffering. It's a bitter day, a bitter, bitter day, the bitterest day ever <clears throat> seen on earth, an earth that has seen many bitter days. But it's also the sweetest of days, a sweeter day than any other ever seen on earth. Because what Jesus was willingly accomplishing in his suffering and in his death was the sweetest day you could ever imagine. For here visibly displayed to all of humanity, revealed to history, both past, present, and future, is the ultimate expression of God's love and grace towards an undeserving humanity. Despite the fact that we are all sinners, deserving of God's punishment, Jesus willingly takes upon himself our sins upon his own body, upon the tree. And as a result, he offers us today full pardon, free forgiveness, washed clean by his blood of all the sins that we have committed, all the judgment that we deserve. It can all be gone. And that is truly remarkable, considering how evil all of us have been. And in our most honest moments, we will acknowledge that our sin has not just been some few actions, some few niceties, some few mistakes that we have made, but they go to the very root of who we are. They're an overspill of our desires. In our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, we have expressed nothing but disobedience and hatred towards God. We've rebelled against his commands. We've turned away from his love. We've pursued our own selfish desires. Our sin has not only hurt ourselves, but others, and has brought the pain and misery that the world now knows. The Bible teaches that the penalty for sin is death. The wages 
of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, here on the cross, Jesus is taking not only my sin, but the penalty of my sin. He's not only suffering uh, to redeem me by his blood, wash me clean from all my rebellion against God. He's taking upon himself the eternal death that I deserve as a consequence of my actions towards God. So while the death of Jesus is the bitterest moment of suffering and agony, it's also the sweetest moment of victory and salvation. Because through his death, the suffering I deserve is laid upon him. The justice that I deserve is laid upon him. The sins I had committed, he bears upon the cross. The death that I deserve eternally is poured out upon him in those final moments of his life. He was there to conquer. He was there to gain victory, not just over sin, but over the consequences of sin as well. And more than that, he was opening up the way for all who will believe in him as Lord and as Savior, confessing their sins to him and their need of his salvation. He was opening up the way of salvation to all who call upon his name. The good news of this Friday, and the reason why it's called good, is that in his mercy and love, God sent his son, who willingly came into this world to bear all that I deserved and to give me what I didn't deserve. Forgiveness, hope, mercy, salvation, a fresh new start. He came to inaugurate a new era of salvation where I can simply come to the foot of the cross and bow my knee and say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. You are my Lord and my Savior. Renew me. Wash me clean. Make me your own. Make me the son, the child of God. Today, through faith in him, you can experience what every Christian has experienced around this world. True, full, and eternal pardon from a God who sees and knows us through and through, who condemns us to death because of our sins against the holy God. He'll forgive us, wash us clean, make us new, make us right, make us holy. The sweetness of the day is amplified by the fact that it wasn't his final words, that in three days he would rise again. The tomb would be empty. We remember this on Sunday. Come along on Sunday as we celebrate this. The sweetness of Good Friday points us to the reality that Jesus conquered death, opened the graves of all who trust in him so that we will never eternally die, but we will go and live with him in heaven forever. So the death of Jesus, it's the, it's the bitterest day, isn't it? But it's the sweetest day ever seen on earth because it represents the ultimate expression of God's love and grace towards humanity. The ultimate victory over sin and death and the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ.
two, two quotes from ancient author, authors as I finish. Thomas Brooks wrote, here is the most wonderful mystery, that the death of the Lord Jesus Christ should be the life of the world, that his suffering should be the peace of the church, that his humiliation should be our exaltation, that his groans should be our songs and his cross should be our crown. And another called Matthew Henry said, this day is the grandest and sweetest day that ever dawned upon the world. For on this day, Christ conquered death and sin and the grave and completed our redemption. So as we reflect today, this weekend, on the bittersweet day, what should it all mean for us? Well, just one reflection. If you go out this afternoon and you've got to go and climb Penavan, it's a beautiful sunny day and you want to see the view, but you're carrying a heavy backpack and it's weighing you down and you can't concentrate on the view or the sun or your friends around you. Such is the weight of your backpack. You long that somebody else will come along and carry it for you. And here they come. They say, shall I? Can I carry that for you? Can I take that off? Can I release you from this burden so that you can enjoy the scenery of the Brecon Beacons, the beauty of God's creation. And they take it off your shoulders. You can breathe easier. There's a new lightness in your step. What once weighed you down is now replaced with the most beautiful joy as you see the wonder of creation. That is the sweetness of forgiveness. It's the experience of being set free from a lifetime of guilt and shame. The weight of our sin has borne down heavy upon us and does so throughout all of our lives. But here comes Jesus. He says, let me take that for you. Let me take the sin, the guilt, the shame, the death, the suffering. Let, it, let me take it all upon my back and I will carry it all and you can walk out into newness of life and the joy of sins forgiven, and the hope of the home in heaven. The sweetness of forgiveness is not just a feeling or just an emotion. It's a transformation that affects every aspect of our lives. It frees us to love and serve others, to pursue our God-given purposes, and to live with hope and confidence in the midst of all of life's challenges. So at the end of this day, will you come and have that burden lifted, that new life in Christ, the sweetness of the day that you will go forward from this day and say, that was a good Friday. I found my hope in Jesus Christ. He lived for me. He died for me. He rose again for me, and I am forgiven. The weight is gone, and I belong to Jesus Christ. May we, may we personally know this day, this bitter day, as the sweetest day that we've ever experienced in our lives, as we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did that first Good Friday.